This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the latest episode of the Book of Joe podcast. Of course, it is based on our book, The Book of Joe. This is Tom Verducci, joined by Joe Madden. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing well, brother. Good morning. How you doing? I am doing well. It's Thanksgiving week, and man, we have a special guest today, and it's a special episode. We are going to be joined by Max Weinberg. Of course, longtime drummer with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. And, and Joe, I know you are looking forward to this for many reasons, but especially because it's not just about the band and drumming. Yeah, we wanted to really try to highlight glue guys outside of the baseball industry, too. We talked about it the other day, and I thought Max would be the perfect fit. Beyond, you're going to hear all about it uh, very shortly, but um, I've been a, such a Springsteen fan since the uh, 70s. I think you have also. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I, to get an opportunity to speak with Max about the um, similarities, the relationships that you build within a in a rock and roll band and what it feels like uh, in a major league clubhouse or dugout, the highly charged athletes, these highly charged musicians and how they cope with it and uh, and getting into the glue component of it. How do, when, when things go awry, how does, how does it come back together and how do you uh, interact in regarding the ego, subjugating of egos and moving it on to something more important as a group or as a team? Uh, looking forward to all that with Max because, uh, again, uh, this has been, uh, been my favorite band since uh, the, the, the mid-'70s. Uh, ditto for me as well. And, of course... If you've read the book or will read the book and have been listening to this podcast, you know one of our favorite intersections is the intersection of baseball, rock and roll, and leadership. And Mighty Max Weinberg is right at that intersection. This is going to be fascinating folk stuff. I'm not going to tell you exactly what's coming up, but you're going to hear about Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, and a baseball scouting report on the baseball skills of Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, you're going to stick around for this. Be back in a minute. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. 
That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Book of Joe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Book of Joe. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast, and we are thrilled to be joined by our special guest today, Mighty Max Weinberg. Of course, you know him as the drummer in the East Street Band, but I know him as a Jersey guy. So, Max, welcome. It's always good to have a Jersey guy on here. People talk about the cradle of civilization between the Tigris and Euphrates. I think it's between the Hudson and the Delaware. So thanks for coming on. And by the way, congratulations being inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame. That's big time. Well, thank you, Tom. Good morning, Joe. Tom, yeah, you know, it was uh, quite a moving uh, experience uh, to be inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame. Uh, as they say, when you leave uh, Philadelphia or New York City, uh, you know you're in Jersey because you can see the air you're breathing. It's an old Jersey joke. It's not quite true anymore. <laughs> Uh, but when you look at the inductees through the years, uh, I'm delighted to be in the company of these, uh, amazing individuals. Uh, it was quite a moving ceremony and, um, uh, Joe, our mutual friend, Mark Stein of Chicago was able to my great surprise to have Ringo Starr and then Paul McCartney show up to, uh, say a few nice words. And that was, uh, you know. Quite an unbelievable experience. Uh, my son, Jay, who's a, a very renowned drummer, uh, inducted me. So it was kind of a family affair. And then to have Paul McCartney play the drums. He was actually playing the drums. I believe it was in his home studio in London. Uh, and then stopped and said a few words. Uh, you've, that was something I would have never in my wildest imagination dreamed possible. 
but uh, I was very delighted to be the recipient of those uh, words. Yeah, congratulations on all that, Max. And, but also, I thought that uh, Hazleton, Pennsylvania might have been the cradle of civilization, Tom. I, I didn't realize it happened between the Hudson and Delaware. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Max, that congratulations on all of that. That is really, um, like you said, uh, as a kid growing up to, to arrive at that particular juncture, again, New Jersey and Pennsylvania were neighbors. I kind of understand and get that that whole process of growing up and what it's like and then almost these surrealistic moments that occur as you professionally move down the road. So uh, congrats on that. I think it's outstanding. We all do. Well, thank you, Joe. Max, one of the reasons we really were uh, just thrilled to have you on here, we've been talking about glue guys as it relates to baseball, talking about guys on a baseball team that really are kind of the mortar of this spirit decor of a team. You know, maybe it's not the best player, but there's usually somebody, and Joe knows this as a manager, if you're lucky, you have more than one. The guys who can bring the whole group together, diverse backgrounds, and be that one guy who can be the bridge to teammates. And we thought about you when it came to a glue guy in a band. Why don't you talk about your role in the band and whether you thought of yourself as a glue guy? Well, it's an interesting term because that's exactly what it is. Uh, whether you're playing, for example, uh, I had a good friend in high school who was a great catcher. And, you know, the catcher drops the ball, chaos breaks out. In hockey, if the goalie lets a shot go by, it's the same thing. In drums, in a band, in a combo, whether it's uh, a large orchestra or even just a rock band, you are the last line of defense. And the drummers that I admired and the drummers that I believe have become successful embrace that sort of philosophy that um, you can't let anything get by you. If you, uh, you know, if you make a mistake, it can sound like you're dropping the kitchen sink. Everybody makes mistakes, but it's how quickly you recover and cover yourself. And that comes with maturity. I've been playing drums. I'll be 72 in a couple of months. I've been playing drums since I was five years old. So I've made my mistakes. I've made many of my mistakes in public. And to rebound and just keep moving, keep moving. That's the most important thing. Uh, you also realize that you are, as you say, the glue and it's not just your position as the drummer. Drummers tend to be the, uh, in a lot of ways, the coalescing factor in bands. For some reason, I'm not quite sure. I had a drum teacher, a very illustrious uh, drummer named Bernard Pretty Purdy, who said the best drummers are helping drummers. Helping, that was the key word. And I met him when I was 19. I studied with him and... Studying with Bernard Purdy, the famous soul rhythm and blues drummer, was uh, it wasn't so much out of a book. It was going to sessions. It was developing the right winning attitude, and I believe my longevity as a musician uh, has been because I embraced that sort of approach. Uh, I can play a drum solo when needed, but Drummers never get hired to do a drum solo, unless, of course, you're Buddy Rich. Uh, and I'm not and never purport, purported to be. But uh, you uh, you want to be a helping drummer. You want to help your bandmates. You are, as a drummer, sort of the uh, 
someone once referred to drummers as uh, the molding that goes below and above the sheetrock. You know, you smooth over the rough edges. So we're using in sports and in music, lots of metaphors to kind of describe the indescribable. Uh, you know it when you see it. You know it in the locker room or the dressing room. Uh, I'm always the guy that I come in every day and, you know, the first thing I say is, here's one for you. And I'll have heard a joke and I'll repeat it. So it's creating an atmosphere uh, of uh, conviviality. Um, and uh, I take that role seriously because it extends to my drumming. My job is to make the other guys look good. And if I do that, then I look good. Awesome. Uh, just may I ask just a question regarding all that, of, of, and you kind of alluded to it. There's gonna mis uh, Mistakes are going to occur, like during an, uh, a performance, things might go awry. And when things may go awry, of course, there might be a little bit of a flare-up among the group. Uh, for me, my glue guy, uh, the leader in the clubhouse, normally would, uh, independent of myself, uh, maybe go reach whomever uh, there may have been a dispute with uh, among the group. Uh, again, I'm talking probably about the band members now. I'm talking about the players or the coaching staff. Uh, regarding that, when you, when, you, when you run into a situation like that where things aren't smooth and, and possibly because somebody's just gone a little bit rogue on you guys, um, is there, is that, does that actually happen within a group like you? Would, would that be your responsibility or somebody else within the band to walk up to somebody else? I'm saying independent of the manager, independent of, of, of Bruce, whatever. Does that, does that play? Does that sound logical within your group? Well, of course, and it depends on the group. For example, uh, if you are the uh, titular leader of the band, for example, when I was on uh, television leading my uh, seven-piece group on the late-night programs, uh, the Max Weinberg Seven, so that responsibility would fall to me. Um, if you're working, of course, we're working in smaller ensembles, and I think the hope is that you don't let it get out of hand. And, uh, you know, there's a, uh, uh, there's a, once you've been playing for a long time, playing music, whatever happens on stage, it's all, uh, it's all a part of the show. And what I mean by that is if you, if you let it collapse, I mean, we've had we've had things on stage with Bruce and the E Street Band where we've literally had to stop and start again. Not very often. Our percentage of of hits is pretty good. And I don't mean hit records, but you know, connecting is pretty good. Uh, but you, uh, it's entertainment. It's all entertainment. And uh, if you don't obsess about that, which can uh, uh, stop you in your tracks. I mean, at the age of 72, and when you've been doing something as long as we have, not just collectively, but individually, I still play with several other groups of my own when, uh, when I'm uh, not working with Bruce and the E Street Band, you do hope you gain a bit of wisdom. Uh, it's more difficult when you're in your 20s or early 30s. You haven't had the experience. And I would imagine that particularly if you've been an outstanding athlete in your school days, um, uh, that the uh, the maturity it takes uh, to take it all in stride, 
Um, cause everybody makes mistakes. Everybody forgets things. Every, there's broken plays. There's strategies that aren't, uh, that aren't fulfilled, uh, game plans that perhaps may not be, you sort of have to shrug it off, address it. Um, we have a fortunate, uh, uh, say organizational structure within the E street band, where as Bruce has said many times, and it's absolutely true, it's a benevolent dictatorship. And that takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Uh, I've been in democratic bands. Uh, obviously the, the, uh, prime example of a democratic band would be say the Beatles where, you had four distinct individual personalities and desires and abilities, and everyone had a say. Uh, it takes a lot of the guesswork out when you don't have any decision-making uh, ability in that context. And you may be a leader of a band in your own right. The, one of the beautiful things about the E Street Band is that everybody in the E Street Band uh, is a leader in their own right and does their own thing. And when we come together... We take that experience in service of advancing Bruce's musical agenda. And, you know, the hardest thing to get in any band is a great lead singer. And the second hardest thing is to have great songs if you're, if you're playing original music. In the E Street Band, we're lucky. We got both. And uh, it's a phenomenal platform. When I do my own thing, and I'm the leader as I've grown and I've gotten more mature, uh, you know, I've recognized that uh, there are ways to get performances out of your uh, players uh, that don't involve uh, an emotional reaction. You want to be able to inspire, I believe now at my age, you want to be able to inspire the best performances. And uh, having come up in an era where um, uh, there was always a lot of chaos in democratic uh, bands, someone's got to take control. And um, these leaders naturally emerge or sometimes they, they are there by design, as we are in the E Street Band. And um, But some say I've mellowed. I certainly have not mellowed when I'm sitting behind the drums. Because when I'm sitting behind the drums, where where I go to is I have the technical ability that I've developed over the last uh, 60-something years. And I have the emotional stability to be able to handle any situation. And that just takes longevity. And, you know, there's a reason why those of us who play music or... Uh, my sports friends who, who, uh, enjoy, uh, there's, there's, there's that window of opportunity where you're performing at peak experience. It's playing music. It's playing baseball. It's playing football. So whenever few jobs are referred to as playing, you know, it's usually working. And while it is hard and nobody, uh, uh, uh should diminish the, uh, the difficulty it is to getting to an elite level at whatever endeavor you're uh, with, which you're involved. Uh, uh, it is playing at the end of the day. And the idea is if you can stay relaxed, if you can uh, come at it from a, Hey, I'm enjoying this. It's tough. 
this may be the 120th game I've played in a row or the 100th concert I've done in a year. You take each one individually. And I say I'm fortunate because I've gotten to the point where not only take each show individually, I take each song, some cases, each section of a song, time slows down. And we've all had the experience, whether it's hitting a a baseball, uh, hitting that sweet spot. And when I was in my early days of my career, I I read a lot of sports training books that addressed the sort of zen of whatever you're doing. There was a great book called The Zen of Motorcycle Maintenance. And obviously the, 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 the intent was to, to get you to, to, to focus on making time almost stand still. Another book that I found helpful was called The Inner Game of Tennis. And when I was in my 20s, I was searching for that sense of relaxation in a very highly charged, very, very quick and uh, a situation where the stakes were high. You know, uh, people are paying a lot of money, good money, to not just get admission to an event, but to get the best out of that event. So it's incumbent upon the participants in that event uh, on the on the active playing field, whether it's a stage, a diamond, a football grid, to give the customer more than their money's worth. And that's something I learned from Bruce Springsteen. And you don't leave it on the stage or the field every single second. And uh, these are life lessons that you know, I consider myself so fortunate because I've been able to do something I started when I was five years old and have continued for the next 67 years and dig into it and get better. Uh, One of the things I had to learn, uh, in fact, I went to a baseball coach, uh, Joe, and I don't know if we've ever spoken about this, but in my early uh, career with the E Street Band, I used to grip the sticks very tightly, afraid of dropping them. And I spoke to a lot of people about it. And I was a young drummer. Actually, I I was an experienced drummer, but I was experienced enough to get in the E Street Band. The question was, could I become good enough to stay in the E Street Band? This was in the 70s. And uh, I had to relearn a lot of my techniques. You, I can liken it to being in a batting slump. So I went out and I got a, uh, a drum coach a drum teacher, a coach, a guru. And one of the problems was the inner anxiety I was feeling of of the pressure was translating down my arms into my hands and fingers and grabbing the sticks really hard. So uh, this teacher was uh, uh, an amateur baseball player and 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 he made the analogy. Uh, You know, when 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 you're hitting a ball, when you're holding a golf club, a racket, anything where you're transmitting the force, uh, the idea, and he was a very experienced, world-renowned drummer, the idea is the only time you're actually gripping lightly the drumstick, the bat, after all, I I deal in the same wood (laughs) that baseball players do. The only time you're really gripping 
lightly was when you're addressing the drum or the ball. So let, let's work on adjusting your grip, which is exactly what we did. And at the age of, I guess I was about 29, I had to completely relearn how to hold the sticks, how to address the drum for maximum speed and power without a lot of histrionics. And I would suppose uh, not, you know, I, I remember trying out for Little League, I think four years in a row and not making it. And finally, my parents went and said, give the kid a break and, you know, put him on a team. I kept trying. Get him some it. drums. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I always said I never got my letter in sports, but I do have quite a few platinum and gold records. So, uh, you know, I sort of uh, did the sports thing in my own way. But in studying with this teacher um, and he had a friend who was a base, a college baseball coach and we went to him and he, he said, well, here's the different ways you can hold and swing a bat. And if you're grit, if you have a life, a death grip on that bat, mm -hmm. there's no way you're ever going to be able to hit the ball as far and as accurately as you want. He made the analogy to the drumstick and there's a method that I was taught that was developed in the 1920s uh, by a, uh, a drummer, drum teacher, drum instructor, who was with the New York uh, uh, Symphony Orchestra, the Philharmonic, and he developed this technique, and I embraced it. It wasn't easy to learn, but uh, ever since the age of about 30, 31, I've been able to incorporate it into my drumming, which made me more accurate, which made me more dynamic, and which enabled me to uh, have the longevity that I currently enjoy. Awesome. Fascinating stuff, Max. And it reminds me of Joe Torre saying at the plate, be intense, but without being tense. And you used a phrase there that I want to explore in a minute here. Benevolent dictatorship. I love that phrase in the framework of team chemistry. I want to explore that a little bit more right after we take a quick break. We be right back with the mighty Max Weinberg. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details.
Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. We're speaking with Max Weinberg. And Max, I brought up the idea of team chemistry. And obviously, in the E Street Band, it's the epitome of what a baseball team would look for. It's held together all these years. I want to go back to the origin story for you. I heard a story about you interviewing for the drummer position with the band. Um, Back in those days, guys used to like to say they were from New York City in the music business. It just sounded like it had more cachet. And you dropped a jersey on Bruce, kind of opened the door. <laughs> so I'm wondering about meeting Bruce and, and, and being interviewed for that position and when you knew that chemistry was taking root. Well, of course, uh, you the chemistry it was really quite amazing. Literally happened within the first 20 seconds of, of playing. And that happened within the first three minutes of meeting Bruce and the East Street Band members who were there, which were Clarence Clemens and Dan Federici, are are late and 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 deeply loved uh, associates and friends. And Gary Talent, uh, our bass player, um, who's still with us. Uh, and there were a couple things I noticed. Um, the the leadership wasn't articulated. Of course, it was Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band. So obviously, there's Bruce standing in front of me. But what was what was really amazing to me at the age of 23 uh, when I auditioned was not just the power, conviction and intensity and energy coming from Bruce, but the way that the other three guys who were there were so focused on where that energy and direction was coming from. And it wasn't a real obvious direction. You had to feel it. And I had never experienced that kind of um, concentration on the point man and bands, you know, you'll always hear, uh, you know, the, the bass player locking in with the drummer, etc. cetera. Uh, the East street band isn't organized like that. We're like a flying wedge. Uh, if you can imagine trees in a forest that are sort of spread out organically and uh, it, and then there are bands that are organized like that. Ours, is a flying wedge with Bruce as the point. And our musical agenda, and it went beyond musical agenda, particularly in the early days where, you know, we are where we're building the thing and you never knew, you know, really when when it could end. And not for anything that we were doing, but just the forces of the music business in the 70s and 80s, uh, particularly in the 70s, uh, you sort of, uh, you, 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 you kept, we all kept pushing in the same direction. And when you do that and you uh, you subsume your own personal ego, which I must say, that's one of our strengths, is that um, uh, when we're, we're uh, on stage and even off stage, you, you subsume your, your ego, your own personal agenda for the good of the group. And that involves a lot of different things as it does on sports teams on stage. Um, you know, uh, you, you, we do a lot of Bruce does a lot of audibles. He'll change on any given night to 15 songs. In fact, if you ever looked at the collection of set lists that Bruce's uh, assistant, his technical assistant, Kevin Buell keeps, the original set list is just a you know list of thirty songs. What uh, he has kept all of these. The actually what we played 
looks like a telestrator. You've got arrows and lines and where things were moved around. So you never know what's going to happen. You cannot let your guard down for a minute because that train will leave without you. I learned that very early on. And when you make that kind of mistake uh, where you, you maybe your concentration lapses or your uh, your your you know focused on what you do focusing actually it's not easy but it when you focus it actually makes the job easier um, it takes that time element out of it you don't get distracted and of course when you're in the heat of of, of a fast paced rock show it's one thing um, uh, but to maintain your concentration. Uh, uh, is is absolutely the most uh, important thing and one of the hardest things to learn. Um, you know, we've been fortunate in the E Street Band that we've had 50, almost 50 years together to develop these uh, protocols and modalities of working. Uh, most bands don't last that long. That's why I say democratic bands don't work. Benevolent dictatorships... Uh, and they work. And sometimes the accent is on benevolent. Sometimes the accent is on dictatorship. But you have to have that vision. And then you have to have your, so to speak, soldiers advancing your vision. And um, a lot of trust, a lot of faith. And, uh, and then you go out and you lay it all out there. Max, let me ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, in order to, I mean, you're talking about a, a high level of flexibility uh, regarding what you guys do. The fact that uh, calling audibles, I love that. Um, you know, you, you see that in football, but obviously even in a baseball situation, you're always calling audibles within the dugout. A lot of the decisions, uh, nobody will ever know a decision that's really been made within a dugout. Uh, subtleties, kind of a subtle movements, uh, eye contact. When you look at a shortstop, David Eckstein, during the World Series in 2002, subtlety, subtleties, but you got to, really know your stuff uh, among the group. Everybody's got to be on the same page like you're suggesting. Um, and, and it's paramount to be able to remain flexible and nimble and, and to be able to uh, accept an audible when it's called. And, and just curiously, uh, I know what it takes on a baseball level in spring trainings and during the season regarding work. I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, cause it's what you do as a drummer, man, it's like, I can't even imagine what your arms and your hands and fingers feel like, but, uh, the practice involvement with that uh, before you like you go on a tour, how much, how much you guys actually have to get together and practice. And then even on a daily basis, what does it take before a concert? Is it, is it more conversational? Is it physical? How do you guys get to this level? Well, that's a great question, Joe. And it's very, very similar to sports. Um, the most important thing, particularly as you age is to not stop doing it. And, you know, all of your uh, engagements are not in stadiums or arenas, I keep myself going uh, by having three or four different style of music bands that I play with. It could be a five-piece bebop quintet. I also have a 23-piece society orchestra where I lead it, and um, they call me uh, Ricky Ricardo because I'm up in front. I also have, and I think you've seen my, <laughs> my jukebox band where we play audience requests. Yeah. So that's the most important thing is, don't stop doing what you're doing. It's, it's very, very difficult to get it back. Along with that is, um, uh, you know, the scale. I don't play any different 
in a small rock club with my jukebox, as I do in, well, to use an obvious example, Wrigley Field. Exactly the same. The other thing is to rehearse the way you're going to play. No holding back. That I learned from Bruce. Our rehearsals are as intense and as focused as our show because there's only one way to do it. And that maybe sounds like a cliche. There's only one way to do it. You do it as if you're two things, as if your life depended on it. Certainly your livelihood depends on it. And you do it as if it's the last show or game you're going to play. And I'll tell you what, when you embrace that mental philosophy, it makes it easier. Not that it's easy. You know, the way I play drums is pretty simple, but it's not easy. And it's taken me a lifetime to learn how to refine it. And um, I would imagine that a sports career has to be uh, condensed into less years, uh, generally speaking. Um, so you've got to learn those lessons earlier. And when you're in your 20s or early 30s, uh, it's, you know, they say your brain is still growing in your 20s. Um, in my case, I'm not so sure it was growing. Right. <laughs> you know, I had a lot of learning to do. Uh, I was a talented amateur that suddenly got thrust into uh, a very high profile uh, pressurized situation. And fortunately I did rise to the occasion, but um, you know, you don't stop. I mean, I have a friend uh, I'm glad, happy to say Doc Severinsen, who, when I got the tonight show as a band leader, the best moment of my tonight show career was seeing my name in the same sentence as Doc Severinsen, who was of course the long time, Johnny Carson Tonight Show band leader and Doc, who's now in his mid nineties, still plays every single day. I spoke to him. He called me on my birth, my last birthday, which was last April, and we talked about that. He said, uh, "He said, kid, every day I still try to hit that high note." And it's that sort of a metaphor for life, I think. And uh, you do. You try to hit the high note every time. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to the people who are coming to see you do what you do. And, uh, uh, you know, it takes a little while to embrace that, I guess. Uh, it did in my case. And, uh, but fortunately, I've had the platform, uh, both with television and particularly with Bruce and the E Street Band, to be able to develop. You're, just, you're, you're hitting a bunch of different chapters in our book. You're talking about aiming high, doing simple better, embracing the target. You're talking about all the different things that we cover uh, in the book of Joe, I love all that stuff. Um, to hear that, uh, Doc Severinsen, I was a big fan as a kid growing up. I actually had a couple albums uh, by Doc Severinsen back in the day. But uh, it, all everything you're talking about so closely relates to what we do and how we do it. And that was the whole point to try to get somebody of your stature on here outside of the baseball industry to relate uh, to the baseball industry and just uh, try to validate uh, what we do here as compared to what you do there. Uh, and again, the the practice component of this thing and uh, how you go over your stuff constantly, the adjustments you have to make. Uh, again, you could you could be talking about you could be in our clubhouse uh, during the spring training meeting and talking about the, exactly uh, the same uh, ideas and thoughts. I think it's outstanding and it's, it's great to hear that. Well, thank you, Joe. And Joe, I got just a piggyback on that. I loved hearing Max talk about setting the tone of the day. Have you heard the one about? And it brought me back to you, the Tampa Bay Rays, starting in spring training with the joke of the day, right? 
gathering the guys together and just lightening the mood. Yeah, I have a, I have a guy by the name of Tim Buss that we utilize. I was with the Angels and with the Cubs. Bussy is like he's he's another glue guy. This is a glue guy that nobody knows or um, probably most have never heard about. But this guy, to me, if I get another job as a manager someday, he'd be one of my first hires. I would. This is this is something that's unique. Uh, his skill skill set is unique in regards to bringing people together. Uh, just everything you've just been talking about, Max. And that's what he does. He brings people together. He does it with comedy. Um, he does it with the emotion and empathy. I mean, everybody just uh, wants to be around Bussy. And again, uh, that's such a big part of it. And with the raise, the joke of the day, the word of the day in spring trainings, all the, anything small, I was always trying to educate, make guys think, make them try to uh, reach another level internally, mentally. And and when you have a glue guy uh, to be able to spearhead that, it really uh, actually it makes your job somewhat easier. Well, that's the key is that, uh, you know, you're there, whatever position you're playing at the end of the day, you're there to inspire the people with whom you're doing it. And um, it's not always necessarily the, the you know, the, the, the stars or the guys up front. It's to be the. Uh, you know, the, the guy that the fans don't even know that much, but you need that kind of thing because, uh, you know, it's a stressful when you're at that a level uh, of, you know, I call it stadiums. If you're playing in a baseball stadium, a football stadium, a soccer stadium, a rock and roll arena stadium, it's you're at you're at the top of your game. I see it in my son, who's the same thing, you know, who spent 10 years playing uh, goalie uh, in hockey. Very, very talented goalie who embraced the sport. And his thing was, as a kid, one of his motivations was he loved being the last line of defense. And that that ex- he was able to withstand the pressure. So when he made the transition, when he was a, uh, he was recruited by a high school, and he was a a great hockey player, my son, and lived it, just absolutely lived it. My son, Jay, when he was 15, he decided he wanted to become a musician. And uh, he was recruited by a local high school as a goalie. And he told the team in his second year that he was going to leave the world of hockey for the world of music. And he taught himself how to play the drums. I had nothing to do with it other than once he got into it, telling him not to grip the sticks tightly and make the same kind of mistakes with tendonitis and uh, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome that I had. I mean, I've had so many performance-related surgeries, I've lost count, whether it's my back, I had my shoulder rebuilt. You know, uh, it's, uh, (laughs) I've got the scars to prove the 60 years I've been playing, but he became uh, an elite drummer. He's considered now the, my son Jay with his band Slipknot, the band that he's in, Slipknot, he's considered uh, the top of his field. And I see the work that went into it, constant, you know, coming home from school in the afternoon, doing his homework, and then playing till 10 o'clock at night by himself, teaching himself how to play the drums by playing to records very organically because he loved it. So anything we start, whether it's baseball, football, any sport, music, the things that turn us on as a kid, you know, when you're in Little League, you know, if you're in Pop Warner, that feeling, if you can maintain that, 
as you age in this uh, endeavor, you can't go wrong because no matter what else goes on during the day with me, even when I'm playing a Bruce and the E Street Band show and it's serious business up there, we take our fun very, very seriously. That's great. That is great. Yeah, you hit on another one of our great themes, which is Joe likes to say, see it with first time eyes, no matter how long you've been doing it, right? That joy that you only get when you first really discover something, if you're able to maintain that. And, and it sounds like all these years you have, Max, that's a gift. Well, it's when you sit on the drum, whatever else went out during the day, when you sit on the drum, when I sit on the drums, A, it's a privilege. B, I'm thankful every day that at my advanced age, I'm able to rock and get people up out of their seats. That's important for me uh, to lay down that beat. I'm not the most, uh, uh, you know, flashy drummer, but I'm meat and potatoes. And at the end of the day, that's what worked for me. But when I'm sitting at the drums, I'm 14 years old again, and I'm playing at the eighth grade dance. And it could be, you know, a stadium. It could be Madison Square Garden. It could be any place. I'm 14 years old. There's a saying that musicians get paid for the 22 hours a day that they're not on stage and they do the show for free. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. I do love, I love that. I, I wanted to bring this back a little bit to the intersection of baseball and rock and roll. Um, I think you made it clear you did not win a varsity letter in baseball, but it seems like there's a connection with the band and the sport. I, I think about, of course, Glory Day's lyrics and the video going back then. I, I'm pretty sure Bruce was at the 2022 World Series in Philadelphia this year. He was. So is, is that is baseball part of his slash band's fabric? Well, Bruce is one of the most devoted uh, baseball fans I've ever met. And uh, it's his, you know, by far his favorite sport. He's very involved in it. He was a very, very good baseball player in 1977 when he was going through his tumultuous legal wrangling. And we were only able to play sort of third level markets. We had a lot of time off. So he and Steve Van Zant started a baseball team and they called it the East Street Kings. And we got satin. Uh, jackets, we had uniforms, and we played other bands on days off. And Bruce was a shortstop, had a fantastic arm, still does, I'm sure. But, uh, and he was a great batter. Um, he still loves uh, baseball. One of his, I can tell you, and I don't think he'd mind me saying, one of his prized possessions is a, uh, uh, a personalized autograph from Mickey Mantle. And, you know, growing up in New Jersey, uh, you know, the Yankees legend loomed large in our background. And uh, my father uh, was also a great baseball fan, was an all-state pitcher in the 30s for Central High School in Philadelphia. He went on to play for the University of Pennsylvania. One of my prized possessions is a picture of him as an 18-year-old pitching. And he was a hell of a pitcher, um, you know, apparently. Um, uh, if I could tell you one short story about, I once asked my father when I was a kid, gee, dad, did you ever, I, I remember seeing the Lou Gehrig story, the movie. And I said, did you ever see Lou Gehrig, uh, or Babe Ruth play? He, and he said to me, son, Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth. I saw Ty Cobb. <laughs> he was of that you know generation yep. when he was a kid. 
So that was pretty impressive. Hey, is there any, is there any more of those? Is there any more of those satin jackets left around? I love to have one of those satin jackets. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's any lying around, whatever it costs, man, I would love to to wear that around. <laughs> that would be my. I saved everything. Mine is uh, on tour with the Grammy Museum. Uh, my, you know, I had Mighty Max on the uh, breast uh, front, and uh, the E Street Kings on the back. But you know, we used to practice, and one thing I noticed about Bruce's playing. Uh, baseball as a shortstop was when uh, when he caught a grounder, for example, before he threw it to first base, give you an example, there was a, mo- and this is a perfect metaphor for what he does on stage. He's always thinking ahead. There was a perfect, just a split second pause before he released the ball. And then he had a rocket of a throw. And, uh, this was before he, he bulked up and was, you know, working out. And but but he didn't catch the ball and then throw it. There was always this setup where he got his arm into position, and it was only a millisecond, but he was so accurate that uh, uh you know something I noticed, and um uh, uh I've got a great picture of him, you know, hitting a home run to still that I took at the moment of impact. But we were very serious about it. And, you know, he tells stories about his 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 coming up in Little League. And, uh, uh, you know, he's had uh, lots of friends who were in sports, particularly baseball. And uh, I was, uh, you know, I remember doing uh, I was doing one of my uh, one man show performances near where we lived at the time in Jersey, invited him down. He was going to come. Turns out it had been game five of this particular year's World Series and just couldn't drag himself away from the TV to, to not watch the World Series. So, you know, baseball has loomed, you know, like the song glory days. And he took pitching lessons. Uh, so he would do it. He wasn't a pitcher. He took it. So he would do it somewhat corrected, corrected correctly in that, in that video. That's awesome. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> That's great stuff. Max, we can't thank you enough for this. This has been such a thrill for us to listen to your stories and especially your insight, because as Joe mentioned, I think a lot of the themes you hit on here in terms of leadership, connectivity with other human beings, joyfulness in what you do, it's a part of our book, the book of Joe. So I, I can't thank you enough. Your time is, I'm sure, precious. And again, congratulations on induction 2022 enshrinement into the New Jersey Hall of Fame. Well, thank you guys. Listen, uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to uh, Joe and Tom yourself. Uh, What can I say? I mean, uh, I love talking about these issues because if there's a way that I can impart any knowledge to a younger performer, and I use that in the broadest sense of an athlete, uh, because I I love watching athletes. And when you watch, you know, the people – who, in my view, perform like they're musicians. It's a, it's a wondrous thing. If I can impart any uh, sort of tips that make it, it's never going to be easy, but it can enable you to uh, perhaps avoid some of the pitfalls. You know, the greatest lessons I've ever learned have been from the absolute worst mistakes I've ever made and <laughs> on the drums and in, and in life. Um, and, you know, you hope to pass that knowledge uh, uh, along. And I've, I do meet younger uh, people, particularly musicians who, you know, any any tips, you know, uh, it's basically keep your head down, look sharp, act sharp, 
and keep your ears open because that will give you the sort of tips uh, to enable you to, you know, the distance between, and I'm sure it's like this in sports, uh, particularly at the professional level, the distance between success and not being successful. And I don't mean failure, um, you know, striking out, for example, is it can't even be quantified. You know, uh, I have a friend of mine who became a very well-known professional football player. And he once told me years ago, it's had to be 30 years ago, that the the difference between high elite, you know, Big Ten college football and the speed of professional football, that was the biggest adjustment. And it was similar to that. And I, I related to that because it was sort of the same thing that went on with Bruce and the E Street Band. Uh, you, you know, in some cases, you're just you're just reacting and it's everything you did for however many years and experience and games, innings at bats, it's everything you bring to that moment. And if you're lucky enough to have any longevity in a career and not flame out, uh, whether it's music or sports or any other endeavor, uh, you're going to learn from everything you did and you're going to bring it to that at bat. You're going to bring it to kicking, uh, you know, the after, I I always look at these after point situations, after goal, you know, the point after situations and the immense pressure that's on these guys and but it's what they do you know i've had i have a friend who's a, a one of the the retired is one of the most senior uh, nasa astronauts on the space shuttle and he also plays drums and we always talk about the similarities and the differences and um you know uh, and there are significant differences but his big question to me is how can you how can you go in front of 50,000 people and play the drums? And I said, well, I have two people to please, the guy in front of me and then me. And I said, how can you sit on top of seven and a half million pounds of explosive and your heart rate doesn't (laughs) move a bit? Mm. He goes, well, that I can do, but I could never play the drums in front of a thousand people so you know uh different strokes for different folks i guess it is you're speaking our language man that's right on the money i really appreciate hearing all of that oh joe it's always a pleasure to talk to you to see you i hope to see you on our upcoming uh uh, bruce and e street band tour we're going to be everywhere we're going to have a blast it's going to be a rock show and i'll tell you what i know he and i speaking for myself i can't wait we start rehearsals in three weeks And, uh, you know, with the E Street Band, it's like slipping into a well-worn baseball glove. (laughs) We've been doing this for almost 50 years. So when the first count off of one, two, three, four happens, it's right there. Beautiful, brother. Well done, man. Thank you, Max. That's that's like I said, that's that's really dovetails. It it validates so much of what we've been talking about. We just said. Uh, in this last segment here really uh, reflects uh, a lot of my own personal baseball philosophies. Uh, so again, for the, for our podcast, for Tom and I, the book of Joe, I think the, uh, the folks that are listening to this will really uh, garner, gather the, the uh, relationship between what you do as a professional musician and what we do as professional athletes or baseball players. Thank you. Well, my pleasure, Joe, Tom, thank you very much for having me on. Well, Joe, that was fascinating. I could listen to Max Weinberg all day and all night when he's not behind a drum set 
that's how good that was. Yeah, and again, uh, just from our perspective here, uh, we wanted the glue guys and on these shows, and uh, here is a glue guy, and, and the really uh, interesting kind of neat part about the whole thing is the validation. Uh, what he talked about, he covered so many topics in the book of Joe. Uh, there towards the end of different chapters, aiming high, do simple, better. He said it in other words, and he talked about embracing the target in other words, but nevertheless, it was all there. And of course, just a brilliant way of putting things together. He's very, he's very good with words. He's very good about uh, his explanations and his descriptions are outstanding. So I, I promised the folks uh, that it was, uh, was truly a unique experience for me. And again, being the, the, that I'm tied so far back musically and, and how I grew up and what it means to listen to the music that him and a group have created it's pretty special yeah special for me too again i grew up with the, the soundtrack of my youth being the band the east street band and actually went to high school just a, a few miles away from where max went to high school so a lot of connections and i can't wait for the upcoming tour same with me brother could i could conclude with one thought right here please do because I think it kind of like dovetails into this whole thing and it's jack walsh and is a guy that i really dig a lot of different quotes that he's had but and it kind of, uh, again, dovetails into what Max had just talked about. Control your own destiny or someone else will. Take charge. Love it. Peace out. Thank you, brother. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.